Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a fresh and insightful interview featuring one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. You can subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. And if you're enjoying the director's cut, please take a moment to like, share, or comment. We love hearing your feedback. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Denis Villeneuve's new sci-fi thriller, Blade Runner 2049. Picking up 30 years after the events of Ridley Scott's classic Blade Runner, the film follows Kay, an LAPD officer, who discovers a long-buried secret that could plunge what is left of society into chaos. His discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, a former LAPD officer who has been missing for 30 years. In addition to Blade Runner 2049, Mr. Villeneuve's filmography includes the feature films Sicario, Enemy, Prisoners, Maelstrom, and Incendies, as well as the short films 120 Seconds to Get Elected, Next Floor, and Rated R for Nudity. Villeneuve was nominated for the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Feature Film and the Academy Award for Best Directing for his 2016 feature, Arrival. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Villeneuve spoke with director Ryan Johnson about filming Blade Runner 2049. During their conversation, Mr. Villeneuve discusses how he brought on cinematographer Roger Deakins during the storyboard process to help envision the film, how he used the first Blade Runner as a Bible to keep himself grounded in the original story, and his work on the film's sound design during principal photography, which is something he's always wanted to do in his career. Hello. <laughs> Good evening. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Thank you guys for being here. What um, what an incredible film. Congratulations. Uh, it's a beautiful movie in so many different ways. Um, and I've got a bunch of questions. Um, I just want to pick your brain about, about how you work. Um, because, uh, again, there are many levels in which this movie is beautiful. Even just, just on a craftsmanship level, it's humbling it's watching this it's it's incredible but i want to start with um the most uh boring ordinary first q a question but i am actually curious how did you end up directing a blade runner movie how did how did it all start yeah the, coming from you okay <laughs> <laughs> no no the, the thing is um i uh, uh the project was written by and for ridley scott and the thing is that um uh, Ridley had a lot of things on his uh, cooking at the same time, and uh, and uh, Harrison Ford uh, was like uh, anxious to start the project. Project, and so they, they uh, Ridley was working on uh, finishing the Martian, going on into uh, Alien Covenant, and so they, they decided uh, the producer and Ridley decided to to reach for someone else. And then uh, I had made a movie previously with Alcon called Prisoners, mm -hmm. and we had a great experience together. So they, uh, to my great great surprise they approached me they uh, I remember Andrew Kosova sent me uh, a message saying I need to meet you in a place where nobody will see us <laughs> and that was the the beginning of that insane adventure of uh, where secret will be a uh, um, and uh, I met him and he put an envelope in front of me 
and he said, <laughs> and it was written in Queensboro on, t- on, on it, and he said, Queensboro doesn't exist. <laughs> and I was like, and it's this, and it's a, this Blade Runner project, and and I was really moved that uh, I, I was honestly, sincerely moved that yeah, they had that uh, amount of trust in me. I mean, that uh, honestly, it was by far one of the most beautiful compliment I ever received. And uh, then I didn't sleep for I didn't sleep for uh, two months. <laughs> thinking, do I do it or not? Because uh, two months. No, no. But it took me a long time before I said yes because I, I uh, there was several things. I was finishing Sicario at the time. I was supposed to do Arrival. There was some scheduled conflicts, and and. Uh, I wasn't sure. Uh, I mean, what convinced me was the screenplay, but first I had to make sure that I feel that I would be able to do it. And I had to make peace with the idea that I could be damned forever by the cinematic community. For you know, that uh, I, 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 was I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I, I, uh, yeah, it's like uh, I could be crucified. By, uh, so I, I, I had to make peace with the idea that if I was doing this project, it will be just by pure love for the first movie that is a very important movie for me and that uh, I will do it just as a pure artistic gesture, not waiting for any reward or accolades or just trying to make it for the act of cinema itself, which is the way Ryan Gosling approached it. That's why we, we right from the start we say, okay, our chances of success are insanely small, so let's just embrace that and yeah. find back our freedom, you know. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, Blade Runner, um, you know, the original, I think for a lot of the people of our generation, uh, it's, it's, one, it's one of the few movies, it's, it's beloved, but there's a lot of movies that are beloved, but it's one of the few movies that when, you, when people describe the first time they saw it, they talk about it like falling in love. Um, there is something very elusive and emotional about the way it grabbed a lot of us when we were young, I think. And um, I thought a lot about it um, during the film, and it was maybe because um, uh, the relationship of creating something, a new piece of piece of you know work out of something that you have a relationship to in the past has has been on my mind lately. Um, the scene, the scene where uh, the you know the new version of Rachel is coming out, the darkness, and she's describing it. It was hard for me not to. Obviously, there was a real emotional content to the scene. It wasn't just a meta thing. It was hard for me not to read a, a meta kind of layer to that of this thing that you once loved coming out of the darkness towards you. And are, is is it looks like what you once loved? Is it what you once loved? Is it you know how are you going to react to it? I don't know. There was something very powerful even just on that meta level for me. What was it? I mean, talk a little bit about during the actual creative process, the, your relationship to the original and to how it complicates and enrich and, and makes richer and challenges, um, you know, creating something that's your own. Yeah, it, it's a very uh, strange experience to, for me it was, a, usually I, I make my movies are inspired by uh, life or, or uh, a book or something that is outside of the cinema circle, and that the first this was the first time I was making a movie inspired by another movie, and I didn't try to um, stay away from it. I just kept it as a bible, as a reference, as as a mu- uh, music that I, I was very close to me that I I, 
I, re I was always referring to in my, every, every time I was directing uh, every day, thinking about the spirit of the first movie. Would you uh, watch the first movie while you were yeah? Or you I go did, home I at did, night and like I did, I did, I did a few, a few times, and uh, it was a way um, to know where where I was going too far, where I needed to be grounded, where I, I need to keep my the roots. The roots needed to stay in contact with the first movie all the time, even if I was. It was, it was just uh, reassuring for me, and um, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's uh, and I'm sure a lot. Of, I'm you, I'm sure you've talked a lot about. It's hard to talk about the film without talking about Roger Deakins and talking about the work that you guys, did, the work that he did in this, the work you did together. Um, one of the it's interesting, like the because uh, visually you guys achieve something incredible where it's very it's so evocative of the original film. It doesn't feel like it's imitating the original film, but he evokes it. it. It was so strange, though. I realized partway into it the and I don't know if there's a total lack of grain or if you guys did add some grain, but the, I've never suddenly the cleanness of the image became really important to me in terms of its relationship to the old film, which I associate with grain and kind of a grit and grain. And the fact that this was the same, but it felt clean and that it had that differentiating factor that was always there was very interesting and very powerful to me. It, it, it made it feel like this was a new lens looking at the same world, I guess. Yeah, yeah I see what you mean. Uh, anyway, I, I, I was just pontificating. I apologize. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. no. Uh, but it's very difficult what he's doing right now. Um, because he just saw the movie with you guys. And then he has to intellectualize and make it like a... Did you... What will happen if you ate the movie? <laughs> if I... If I if, if Did I you? ate the movie, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, no. no, no I w if I absolutely hated it, I would probably change my name and move. I would have no idea what I would. I would move to Las Vegas no. and <laughs> take up residence in the dusty old. Uh, uh, but it, it talk about working with Deacons and how um, the process might be different. I and mean, first of all, visually, do you uh, you strike me as someone who probably storyboards? Do you? Yeah. The thing is that it's a what I will say is that the 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 uh, input of Roger Deakins was very very important in this movie because I was like uh, in, in prep, of course, uh, as you know, uh, as you guys know, it's like a movie like that requires a lot of of uh, prep and a lot of uh, dream dreaming state. And uh, at the time I was finishing Arrival and time was flying and I, I I was saying to myself, I need to have right from the start. Usually I do that alone, but this time I I need to have someone. To, we have a dialogue with. I need to bounce ideas. I need to, and uh, someone that I I totally trust, someone that I respect, and and uh, and I uh, Roger. So Roger came on board very quickly, right from the start. He landed in Montreal and spent spent uh, several weeks, even a few months there with me in in a hotel room in Montreal with two storyboard artists, and we drew basically we uh, drew the whole movie. So he was the, with you, like for the whole story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right. That's amazing. Yeah, That's cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we did it together. But more important than that, uh, we define what w what will be the laws of this w world, the what how the climate will have affected the world, the geopolitics, the geography, the the sociolo sociologic 
aspect of this world, every, every uh, economic aspect, everything we decided together. And that, for, for me, that was the biggest gift of all because first uh, um, I had I was able to to share the dream with a, a close friend, you know, and and um, after that, that work evolved, of course, as we went to uh, Budapest. And uh, but uh, and Dennis Gastner, the production designer, came on board at one point with us and stayed in Montreal. And we basically the 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 bible of the movie was born there, the all the laws and and the the initial dream. And one thing about Roger is that when he understand what is my vision precisely and all with we found tons of reference visual ref and when he, then he will fight until death so it, it's on the screen and it's it's, it's something that uh, so it's on the day but also with vi visual effects he helped me tremendously to um he was there from day one until the very last minute working on uh, as hard as i did uh, on the movie yeah so this movie was a lot to roger yeah it makes a lot of sense. I mean, because not only is soaps in so many of the set, you know, so many of the locations, the lighting is built into the sets. It's, yeah, it's, we, they're inseparable. Yeah, we were basically. Uh, I was in a room designing the the sets with Roger and Dennis Gassner, the three of us drawing, so that they will embrace what my needs and Roger's needs at the same time to uh, what we wanted to express visually, and that was a privilege to uh, to do that all the, uh, right before, long time before the the prep started. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's often the case, but it also, it makes sense what you're describing also, because thematically it feels like the, the visuals and the lighting is baked into this movie in a way that is also inseparable from, mm -hmm. from the thematics of, of, of the world. Anyway, uh, so um, did you, by the way, did you, uh, were, did you use miniatures for some of the landscape work and bigotry? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the thing is that we wanted uh, to have like a kind of... Uh, old-fashioned approach um, I mean we uh, we built all the sets and and listen the thing is that we talked a lot about it in the press because we were I did press for a year and I was not allowed to talk about the movie so I also like, can't imagine no, 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 you so feel. you will soon <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's painful and so at one point you start to <laughs> find stories or so it's uh, I know it's like uh, you know and uh, I mean it's normal to build the sets. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, through the the, the, the past decades, uh, it's like uh, people are used to build sets. It's just that in the, in the recent time, there is a lot. Some people are working with with uh, virtual environments, and that uh, I didn't want to do that. So. Um, um, what was the the question about? Well, as originally, actually, I want to talk about the like the sets, set oh, yeah, the work, stage work. But I was asking about the miniatures yeah, yeah, for we, we the did, uh, we, flyover we, shots. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, that was very moving because uh, for me, I was dreaming to do that since a long time. To use like the Weta, yeah. in New Zealand constructed this those insane, tall, huge, beautiful miniatures uh, for the movie, and uh, that was a privilege to work this way. We tried as much as possible to do everything on camera. There's tons of CG in the movie, but to try as much as possible to 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 uh, to. Um, so we constructed every, all the sets and to use real vehicles and uh, try to, so Roger will have total control over the environment, the atmospheres, the lighting and everything, yeah. You can feel it in the movie, like it feels very, I mean, it's obviously very stylized, but at the same time, it all feels very tactile and, and very grounded. So you shot in, in Budapest. You exactly, yeah. because uh, uh, London was not available anymore because of you. <laughs> 
but because it's uh, London is really invited by invaded by the Empire now. So the resistance, uh, <laughs> by the way, the resistance. <laughs> but uh, uh, and uh, we needed a lot of uh, basically the world is divided between Star Wars and Marvel right now and DC, you know. So you have to find your place where you can find the. We needed a lot of uh, uh, sound stages. Uh, Was it mostly stage work? Yes, and yes, sets? yes, yes. Do you and, any and location work yeah, at all? Yeah, the, the thing is that Budapest offered uh, one of the reasons we went there also is that there was some uh, the architecture I was looking for. It was there was a lot of buildings like that there. So we shot uh, we shot a uh, uh, few scenes outside outside in the street at night time, but uh, the rest is is shot uh, on sound stage. Yeah. Is is the building that Deckard's in? Is that an, uh, yeah? That's, that's one of the buildings. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah. That uh, yeah. is uh, in downtown, and uh, that was crazy because it was a huge structure, huge building that uh, I don't know about here, but in Canada, it will be considered as heritage. And, uh, and mm -hmm. there, we were uh, allowed to do basically what we wanted because it's a building that was like in renovation, and uh, so it was a privilege, yeah, chance. Yeah, that's cool. Um, uh, the performances in the movie are, are beautiful, and I mean, obviously, uh, Harrison Ford's performance in this is is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and if you grew up loving Blade Runner and reading everything you could about it, you I, I, I just know from all of that you you come to get this image in your head of the original film being a process that was very difficult, and that he, you know, uh, there's famous stories I know just from film mythology about you know him not having a great time doing it um, which I don't know could be true could be not but how, what was your experience in terms of he was obviously he came to you so he was already already on board with it what was your experience working but the thing is that uh, it was a different experience really uh, when he did the, the first one I think was struggling with producers you know he had to fight the system and uh, me uh, I was protected by the producers so I, I, I had a nice uh, because they were they are friends basically they, so uh, um, let's say that uh, the and Harrison it, for me it was one of the toughest thing to bring back his character to bring back a character that is so iconic and that uh, so I right from the start I, I said to him I need to do this with you I will not I need you I need your input you created that character I would love if possible if you could uh, do this with me uh, not come on set and uh, say, and and I think he was really uh, excited uh, about the idea of uh, yeah, that process of collaboration and um, no it was a what moves me uh, moved me about Harrison Ford is that uh, several things, but one of them is that uh, his passion about filmmaking is totally in intact. He is like uh, every day on set, like if it was a second movie, you know. It's like he he, he loves the, the to work. He loves the the filmmaking process deeply, and uh, and. Uh, I mean, at 5 a.m. In, uh, in the gigantic pool, yeah. cold outside, he was the one with the highest spirit, you know, cheering up everybody. I mean, it's very moving to see him. Uh, we know, all know when your your main cast is very, very positive, and uh, 
it transformed the atmosphere the atmosphere on set a lot yeah it's a that, that's really that's that's so cool to hear man that's so awesome uh it's also i mean besides the visuals i have to say it's the best sounding movie i've heard in a long long time i thought the sound design was and the mix was absolutely stunning with it i'm, I'm very happy you are saying so because i'm uh, one thing uh i'm quite proud of the sound of the movie it's a uh, uh, first uh I always dream when I was doing indie movies. I was I didn't like the idea of doing the the image, and then to do the sound after. I always I was always frustrated, and it was a long dream of a dream of mine to do both in the same time. So uh, Joe Walker and I we hired Theo Green as we were shooting oh, that's, a, that's a, a, so a cool. sound designer that started to create a sound for the editing room as we were shooting, and and so he worked basically the sound design. It was a, a year of work. You have Theo Green that, that started, and then Mark Mangini came on board right after the, the, we finished shooting, and they work hard to create every single sound that uh, uh, would be part of this project, would be original and, and uh, part of this universe. Paying homage to the, the, the first movie, because I, I was saying I felt that I took a lot of liberties visually, but I felt that the sound, I needed the sound to be very close to the spirit of the first movie, mm. to have the same kind of qualities, and the music too. So um, it, the sound, uh, uh, it was a very, uh, I'm very, very um, grateful to the, I, I work with strong artists yeah, for the sound. Yeah. yeah, it was the type of, of sound mix and sound design where every single, like when he found that little box when he was about to open it, I found myself actively anticipating what is it going what is that tiny sound going to be when he opens it just the level of detail in every single sound being so delicious i guess uh, uh besides the big stuff which uh blew our ears out and was fantastic the tiny little things and the balance of those and the amount of quiet in the movie i guess i I'm, I'm believe it's the ideas the good ideas sometimes they need time to uh, to make sure that's the right idea and you live with uh, the image for so long in the editing room and i love this time to have the chance to live with the sounds, to let them go through time, to listen to them hundred times and make sure that it's the right sound. And and um, no, it's a really an experience I would love to, if I have the chance to do it again, again this way. Yeah, to have that level of collaboration with it. That's fantastic. In the editing, editing room, how do you how do you work? Are you are you assembling as you as you shoot? Um, yeah, uh, Joe Walker uh, came uh, in Budapest and did uh, the assembly, uh, but uh, and then I'm myself. I, I I stay in contact with him, looking at uh, what is going on. So basically, for me, shooting and editing is two total different mindset. You know, it's like uh, one is hunting, the other one is cooking, and I I, I cannot do it both in the same time. You know, it's like. I, but I like to know if I'm in the right direction, if, if I'm missing something, and Joe is a strong ally. But uh, so I'm just—I just want to know if we, we what we are doing makes sense, you know. And would you go in and then look at what he's yeah, a little together, bit, but it's a, it's a bit, uh, yeah, a little bit. But then when, when I start uh, finish the shoot, then I, I I'm, I'm with him in the editing room for months, which is honestly one of my favorite part. If I wasn't a director, I would be definitely. Uh, Editor, I did you, deeply love editing. It's like, did you cut your own stuff when you were younger? When you were making yes, stuff, yes, yeah? yes, 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 yeah, yes, 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 yes. At what point did you find? Because um, I know I, I, it was similar for me. I always cut my own stuff. Cut even the first film I did. At what point did you find a working relation relationship with an editor that like clicked for you? 
the thing is that uh, for my first feature, I realized that uh, I, I um, there's a lot of people that are specialists and that there's the dialogue is stronger than to be alone. I mean, I have a friend of mine, some friends of mine are, are strong directors and they edit their own movies. And I respect that, I admire them. But me, I feel that uh, at the end of the day, I, I have to put my ego aside and it, it's the relationship with the editor makes the edit stronger. There's like the, 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 the and it's more fun too. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> I mean, keeps you from going yeah, nuts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, no, I will not be able to, I don't want to do that. My, my, the time, the Cinema is a collective act of creativity. That's what the thing that deeply moves me about it is that to share creativity with someone else. So the, the month I'm spending in the dark with Joe Walker for me are yeah. priceless. I mean, it's like, a, and he's honestly a much stronger editor than me. The key is to always surround yourself with stronger people. I mean, he's a, he's a much stronger than me. Deakins is, a, I, I used to do camera when I was, of course, Deakins is a billion times better than me. I mean, it's, a, <laughs> I, it's, a, it's, it's a good thing to surround yourself by stronger yeah. artists, you know, so uh, you have, you just have, I have to run fast, you know. Do you keep the same folks around you typically, film to film? Do you keep like a I family try. of people? I slowly, yes, 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 yeah, I, I uh, yeah. Um, what was the big, I mean, in terms of, uh, well, I'm actually, I'm going to ask just like a kind of a wonky process question because the one thing that you never, as a director, you never really get to see other directors work. So I'm just curious about the day-to-day -day workflow on a set for you. So do you, you show up, you've got your storyboards, do you, um, first of all, I guess, backing up, did you get rehearsal time with the cast before you started shooting? Not really. I'm not a big fan uh, of uh, rehearsals. I love to talk. I've spent to be alone with an actor for a few days, going through the scenes, going through the dialogue, uh, talking, 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 talking. But um, I like I love the spontaneity on set. The spontaneity on the spon set. Spontaneity. I mean, the spontaneity. I, at the same time, if I feel that an actor needs to rehearse, I will do it. But uh, I think I'm lazy. I don't know. That. It's like I, 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 I love the, the, the spontaneity. I love a lot. I'm coming from the documentaries, and and I that's the thing where I get my fix is when I'm 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 surprised suddenly by an an idea coming out of uh, an actor's intuition right on set. Yes, he, he think what about this, and then it's something that it was not planned. And if I feel that it can create a strong cinematic image, then I'm I'm uh, and Roger feels the same. That's where I think we strangely we we. Uh, we get along so much. It's like um, in in those moments where we are out of the plan, and 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 yeah. we we are f the actors are doing something that deeply inspired us, and that's uh, that's what that's those are my favorite moments. Yeah, yeah. that makes. I mean, that's I, I feel the same way, and that makes a lot of sense thinking about your movies. I mean, they're because they feel so um, tightly designed, and yet they don't feel ever restricted, they don't feel ever restricted or closed in. They have that feeling of kind of, um, uh, anything could happen in any moment, I guess. They never feel, and I wonder though, on set in terms of, okay, so you don't rehearse much in terms of blocking out the scenes, in terms of figuring out, because your shots all feel so, um, Perfect. How, how do you, you know, how do you, what's the actual... But there's like, things, it's, 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 
a movie like that, of course, as you know, it's like it's all storyboarded, all uh, planned because all the sets are constructed and for specific angles and and uh, special all the the effects. Uh, so, but um, again, um, I it's very important, and, so, and one of the reasons I wanted to have the real sets is to have space to uh, to uh, to have that um, spontaneity for the mise en scène and for the actors with Roger. So. Um, I do the blocking and, and according to the, the the but I'll try all the time to uh, to give the, let, have that space alive every day. Yeah. Yeah, to find those moments where it really comes to life. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, what's your you're uh, at the tail end of a long? How long has this whole process been for you now? Two years, I think. And uh, yes, I lost track of time. I'm I'm uh, seriously. I'm, I need to sleep. Uh, well congratulations man I think we should let the man sleep but congratulations this is an incredible film thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A if you'd like to hear more from director Denis Villeneuve check out episodes 63 through 65 which consist of our Meet the Nominees feature film symposium where Mr. Villeneuve discusses his film Arrival alongside other DGA Award nominees such as Barry Jenkins and Damien Chazelle. You can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. Awards season is in full swing, so be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on the great discussions we have coming up. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.